So, um, where are we at? This is a long one. You ready, Ambo? Um, so just a little recap, a little introduction. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention or haven't been here or forgot, uh, we've been talking about harmony and um, stepping on toes a little bit, but that's what happens when you look at the Bible. Um, but sometimes, as we've said, uh, when we hear we're going to go through a list of things that we can do and apply to our lives to have harmony in the church and in our homes and things like that. And sometimes when we hear things that are preached or taught, we kind of just brush them off and say, well, that's for that person and not for me. And um, sometimes it's for us, but we don't listen. So that's the, our prayer is that our hearts will be open and honest. Uh, with God and he'll speak to us um, because there are some some things that we we struggle with and we're not all perfect you might be but I'm not so this is for me it's for me but there's three verses throughout Romans 12 to 16 um, that talk about harmony and so we're just we're reading these every week uh, says Romans 12 and 16 live in harmony with each other don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. 14 and 19 says, So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And 15 and 5 says, May God, who gives us patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. And so we've said that the world that we live in right now is very, um, I haven't said topsy-turvy, but it is. There's a lot of turmoil, there's a, a lot of division, one side versus the other, just about on everything that you can think of, every stance. Um, nobody wants to listen to the other side, and um, that's how the world is. And uh, unfortunately, if we're not careful, that attitude of division, us against them, me against you, can creep into the church. And so God um, doesn't want us to live like that, and he's thankfully given us some pointers how to rise above that and live in harmony and so it's something that we should all want i hope unless you're one of those crazies that like to live in chaos then there's nothing i can do to help you that's up to you um but i'm not saying that there won't be conflict or friction in our lives or in the church sometimes because uh, there is because we're people and uh, like we said nobody's perfect well at least i'm not so it's going to be some with me at least um, <laughs> everybody said amen <laughs> so it's not um, but these are ways to avoid it uh, or to, to get around it or to uh, yeah, hopefully rise above these frictions or conflicts so about the book of Romans um, so we've said that Paul he's writing Romans has a lot of doctrinal things so the first good bit of it is a lot of very deep doctrinal truths and then he kind of ends it with how to live these things out and how to live in harmony. So just to recap, we got 15 points. Some of them have repeated, I've noticed, the theme. But the first one, we talked about the need to sacrifice ourselves to start at the altar, or none of this will work. If we don't start there, it ain't going to happen. So that starts with repentance. The second that we talked about was that you're not a big deal. Sorry. No one is. Only God. And so, um, well, next thing, we had talked about um, tempering our expectations of others, because we're different. Everybody's different. I shouldn't expect you to be like me, and you shouldn't expect me to be like you, or me to be like some other 
preacher or pastor because we're all different. And so um, we need to stop putting on realistic um, expectations on people because all it does is hurt and cause um, disgruntledness. Disgruntlement? Is that a word? It is now. And those sorts of things. Um, then we talked about giftings, how we all have different abilities and there are different things that we can do um, to, the, to um, help the church grow. God's given us gifts. We talked about encouraging, teaching, prophesying, giving, leading, showing kindness and serving. These are all things that we can do to help the church. Um, we talked about loving people, really loving people, not pretending because that's awkward and everybody, people can see through that and it's pointless. It's fake. Nobody wants that. And so we need to really love people and love the right things. We talked about practicing help and hospitality, being there for each other, supporting each other. Talked about blessing our persecutors. That was a good one. We talked about how we should enjoy the company of each other, not avoid each other. Um, spend time with each other. Get to know something about the other person. Um, again, back to humility. Talking about the fact that you don't know everything. And neither do I. We need to listen to each other. We need to learn from each other. Talked about uh, forgiveness, not getting revenge, leaving it up to God, um, being like Jesus and letting some things go. We talked about living in peace with everyone, not just the people you like or the people that think like you. With all men, the Bible says. Um, this was a good one. Talked about submitting to authority in and out of the church. And then... Fun. We talked about um, not owing debt to each other. That was another thing. Talked about um, submission again, sort of, and paying your taxes. That one we didn't spend too much time on, but hopefully we didn't need to. And then the last thing we talked about again, love came back. We talked about how love kind of covers everything and solves the problems. If we just love each other, all these other things would go a lot easier. So there's 15 points so far. Uh, we're doing well. We were going to try for seven today, but I cut her back to three. <laughs> uh, because the first one is going to be quite long. Uh, it has to do with holiness. So we did a series on holiness last year, so we're going to draw from that a little bit. But back to Romans. As you remember, this all starts at the altar. It all starts with presenting ourselves a living sacrifice. And if we don't, all these things that to bring harmony are going to be a lot more difficult to do. So Romans 13 and 13 says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. And most of us don't know what some of those words mean. But we're going to talk about not participating in darkness. The New Living says like this, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity, or in moral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. So he says, because you belong to the day, or because you are children of the light, you need to live a decent life for all to see. Um... The old Sunday school song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, you have the light of God, you got to let people know. Show the people around you what it means to be a child of God. There are a lot of people in the world that are misusing the name of Jesus and using it for personal gain and trying to build their own brand or empire or ripping people off or hurting people in his name. And they're not living decent lives and they ruin the witness of 
the church. And Paul says, I want you to live a decent life. Well, what about so-and-so? No, I want you to live a decent life. This is about you. This is about me. Again, you know, with the, the same with most of the things we've talked about, it starts, starts with me. Um, I need to not participate in darkness, wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, you know, all these things. We know those are wrong, I think, for, most, for the most part. I think we're on the same page there. But then he also throws in things like jealousy and quarreling, fighting and arguing, making a scene just to make a scene to prove that you're right, just to win something. And jealousy, that can be a big one. Jealousy causes a lot of hurt um, to us and to others. Uh, rumors often start from jealousy, gossip, bad attitudes. All these things can stem from jealousy. And if you want harmony, we need to stay away, Paul says, from the darkness. Avoid these things. Don't live like the world. Surprise, surprise, if you want to follow God. The world's in chaos. Why do we think if we live like the world and act like them, that we'll have harmony? I have no idea. Another word for avoiding Darkness or being separate from it is a little thing that we've talked about in the past called holiness. And we are called to holiness, the Bible calls us to it. It's a command that's something that we are supposed to do and live. And holiness should impact all areas of our lives. Peter said, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or everything that you do. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He is, so he is. The word holiness has been used throughout history, sometimes inappropriately. and has been used to beat other people up, but true holiness is nothing like that. It's not the self-righteous stuff that we've peddled for years. We're called to be holy. And we obey this call and command because we belong to Jesus and we want to please him. True holiness will show Jesus to the world and it will benefit us as well, both now and forever. That's how we show the light. Apparently I left that verse up. That's how we show the light through, through our life, through living a holy life. Um, being born again, repentance. Being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, is the initial experience of salvation. But after that, there's an ongoing process that does, does not end there. I think most of us um, that have experienced this, hopefully we're further along than we were that day. I hope so. You know, there's some growing that's happened. I sure hope. For some of us, it's been a while, but hopefully we've grown. You know, there's something that, there's a thing that happens, there's salvation, there's an experience that happens, and there's an ongoing process. And Jesus continues to lead us and call us and make us more like him. And as we're becoming more like him, we're being less like the world and separating from that darkness. And that's what he wants us to do. A big part of doing this is living a holy life. So we're just going to talk about that for a few minutes. But it's, it's an incredibly important thing that we experience the ongoing work of salvation and that and that comes when we daily allow the Holy Ghost to have his way and we let him lead us and guide us because the Bible says that God is holy and it's an essential part of who he is when we talk about holiness and God what we mean what we mean is that he is absolutely pure and he's the he's moral 
perfection. When we talk about us being holy, we're never going to be that. Um, that's us conforming to the character and the will of God. So we must be holy, the Bible says, because he is holy. And that means we need to start thinking like he thinks and seeing things like he does and loving what he loves and hating what he hates and acting like Jesus would. You can break holiness down into two parts, separation from sin and the world's values and dedication to God and his will. Second Corinthians, I got a lot of verses and I put most, I think they're all in there. You can read them after if you want. Um, make sure, well, I'm going to read them, but I might go fast. Second Corinthians 6, 17 to 7 and 1 says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's a coming out from the world, there's a separation from the world. The ways of the world, the thinking and mindset of the world are being separate unto God. There's two things. You're coming out and being um, coming to something else. So don't just come out of the world and just hang out there in limbo. It's drawing closer um, to God. There's a cleansing and cleaning. There's a fear and a respect of God. This all goes back to the foundation of this series. Again, Romans 12 and 1 at the altar. What does it say? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So there's a call there for us to be holy as well. Not just a sacrifice, but to be holy. We can't have harmony in the church if we're still pursuing the things of the world. You can't have harmony in the body of Christ and participate in darkness. These are conflicting things. These are contrary ways of living, ways of thinking, ways of treating each other, ways of conduct. They do not mesh together. We can't be in harmony with light and darkness at the same time. There must be separation if there's going to be complete harmony in the church. Ephesians I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but there has to be separation from the world, not separation from each other. Just clear that up in case you didn't get it. <laughs> Ephesians 4 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So Ephesians says we should be putting off or removing our old ways, our old self, and be renewed, and that's what true holiness looks like. But we have a lot of people who try to stay the same. We try to look and act and sound like the world. We're too influenced by the world or by darkness. And Paul said, don't participate in the darkness. And some of these things that he lists, wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, Immoral living, you know, these are very external sorts of things. You, you can see them happening if you want. Um, there's, they involve other people, but then there's jealousy, and, and that is a very internal thing. You can be jealous and no one else know about it. There are secret sins that get into our hearts and minds, and they also can disrupt harmony in our homes and in our churches. There are things that no one else knows about. There's attitudes and sometimes spiritual things that we allow into our homes and into our lives and into our hearts and in our minds and we entertain ourselves with them. Things we read, things we watch, things we listen to, things that occupy our thoughts. 
that aren't of God. But we are called out from these things, this stuff, this darkness, this junk. We are called to be holiness. And holiness, or called to be holy, sorry. Holiness is just, is more than just the outside things. Paul lists several things that are external, but then he mentions some things that are internal. And then, you know, the Bible says, put off the old ways. He says, by the renewing of your mind. This is something that needs to start on the inside. Our minds need to be renewed. Our minds need to be changed. Our inward man needs to be right with God as well as the outward. If you remember again, back to the altar, Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That's where it starts. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've been led to believe over the years that holiness will sometimes it'll come down to the standards or what we wear, how we dress, where we go. And that's part of it. But a whole lot of holiness comes down to our hearts and our minds. How we conduct ourselves, what we spend time on, what we dwell on, what occupies our thoughts, how we see the world, our priorities. We won't say certain words or go to certain places, but sometimes we will say incredibly ridiculous things about someone who votes differently than us or takes the opposing side in a certain, a certain issue. I got real quiet there, but it's true. To a point where we almost see them as lesser we don't need to listen to anything they have to say. We don't need to put up a word. Anyways, but that's not holiness. Our minds, we need to see people like Jesus does. Well, agree or not, that's, that's how it is. We'll look the part and have anger and bitterness in our heart, and that's not true holiness. Holiness means being like Jesus, and Jesus is the light. Instead of giving into our natural desires and giving into sin, we put on Him and let Him work and lead us. Holiness also means that we shouldn't love this ungodly world system or identify with it or become attached to the things of it or participate in its sinful pleasures and activities. John James, James 1 27 says, Pure religion, not defiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. We've talked about that already. Hospitality, helping. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. We can't dabble in the things of the world and be pure. You can't spot yourself with the things of the world and be holy. you got to come out of the darkness. And that means in our minds as well. And you guys all look the part. I know it. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. You guys are... Anyways, we'll move on. No, we won't. We're not done. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. We already read this. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of two things, the flesh and the spirit, the physical and the internal, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We can focus a lot on just actions and outward things, but holiness, um, the light of Jesus, it needs to be in our heart and thoughts as well and come out through that. The Bible teaches that lustful thoughts are just as bad as adultery in Matthew 5, 27, and 28, and hatred is just as sinful as murder. 1 John 3 and 15. So holiness then 
includes attitudes, thoughts, taking care of our spirits on one hand, and on the other, actions, appearance, and taking care of our outward self. One without the other is not enough. Generally, we've got two camps. One's obsessed with one, one who's obsessed with the other, but we got to live somewhere in the middle. It seems like for some reason, people tend to go one way or the other. We're either all in on the outward stuff, and then inside we're all dry and bitter and shriveled up and angry and miserable, or well, the opposite. <laughs> we look just like the world and talk just like the world, but we're all, I think we got it all together on the inside. It's, it's got to be both. you got to work. Anyways. The flesh and the spirit need to be right. Ah, boy. <laughs> We've said it before, but inward holiness should produce outward holiness if we allow it. But outward holiness is worthless without inward holiness. Modest spirit will produce modest dress, but modest dressing will do very little if it's hiding an evil heart, for example. Holiness comes by faith, love, and walking after the Spirit, walking in the light. Holiness is not how we earn salvation. We don't do it, we said, because we, uh, we don't do it to be saved. We do it because we are saved, and there's a difference. All right, let's skip some of these things. Um, we can't produce holiness on our own. We've tried and we've tried. And we get some people that think they've done it. But Hebrews 12 and 10 says, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. We share his holiness. We don't produce it. It comes from him. We need to have faith and obey Jesus. And follow him and let him do the work. If we truly believe God and we believe and obey his word, this will turn this will in turn lead us to follow after holiness. But if we don't, if we disobey his word, uh, we're no longer walking in faith. We're not walking in faith, we're walking against we're going against Jesus. I don't know if you ever try to walk somewhere as a group. This, this is back to the harmony thing, because that's what we're supposed to be talking about. But if you ever try to walk somewhere as a group and um, you know, it's going fine and dandy until one person decides they want to go somewhere else. And they start walking. I told you, we went to France with a group. We are just walking, having a good time. One guy tied his shoe, and we lost him. We went somewhere else. Started going another way. And then there was no more harmony in the group. There was chaos and worry. We lost this boy. I don't know, he was like 17 or something. Maybe 16. We lost him in France. He's gone. We found him. <laughs> but that's what happens. If someone, someone wants to walk differently than everyone else, if you have an army marching, one person decides they're going to skip, walks differently, everything's going to be a mess. And so and we're all walking together with Jesus, and one person walking well, around all this way, and that's going to throw off. The harmony. Does that make sense? Hopefully. Uh, skip, skip, skip. Galatians 5 and 16 says this, I say that walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're supposed to walk 
and let the Spirit walk in the light, walk in holiness. And through the Holy Ghost, we have freedom from sin or darkness that the power has over us. And we have the power to choose not to sin. We should, or we do not need to continue living in sin and can instead rise above it. Avoiding darkness requires a personal effort because darkness is all around us. Um, avoiding darkness does not come automatically, and honestly, it doesn't even come easily sometimes. It takes work to avoid the darkness. We have to actively put into practice the principles that he places in us. We have to resist the devil and discipline himself. So I'm going to read a bunch of verses real quick. Romans 6, 11 to 13 says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God and Christ Jesus. And he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Those are things that we need to do. He says, let not sin therefore reign. Don't let it. Don't allow it. This is an action that you can do. You need to do. Don't present your members to sin. Don't. You need to do this. Someone else is going to do it. This is up to us. And then James 4, 7 and 8, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. This is an action on our part. Resist the devil, and then he will flee. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. These are all actions on our part. Submitting, resisting, drawing nigh, cleansing, purifying. These are things that we need to do if we want to resist um, the darkness to avoid it, um, the walk in the light. Um, this one, where are we at? 2 Peter 3, 14, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish at peace. It means to make every effort, do everything you can to be uh, right with God. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, and verse 27, but I keep my under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He says, I run, I fight, I discipline. These are things that I do. And uh, the Bible tells us that we need to cleanse ourselves, to work, to lay aside every weight and sin, to run with patience, and all these sorts of things. And then this verse, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, None of my presence only, but now much more of my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a things that we need to do. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do good, um, to do of his good pleasure. And so that's enough for that section. Verses, I know. Some of you are with me, some of you are. But it's clear that the responsibility lays on us to do some work. He's Gives us the desire and, to, and the power to live right, but it's up to us to take it and do it. It's our responsibility to follow after holiness, to walk in the light, to avoid the darkness. But it takes some effort. But at the same time, when we do it, he's working in us. Um, this is a daily thing. It's something that we should constantly be growing in. And like uh, it always is with growth, it doesn't happen the same or happen at the same speed with everyone. 
And this will lead us into our next part here in a second. Um, but I've got four children. They all learn to walk at different times. My wife will correct me if I'm wrong, and I probably am, but Julia was 10 months and some. Not quite 11 months, I think. She's forgetting too. Felix, he was 11 months. Annabelle was a little slower. She was 13, and Lucy was our stubborn one. Annabelle was 12. Sorry, see, I told you. And uh, Lucy was 15 months. There we go. That was the most pressure I've ever felt behind the pulpit. <laughs> but they were all fine. They were all healthy. It just happened at different times, different, you know, and they're same parents, same everything. But they grew and they did things at different times. And so this is, that's how it is physically. That's how it is spiritually. We shouldn't judge one another or compare ourselves to each other, but we should be patient and tolerant of each other because we all grow differently at different rates and in different areas. Our job is not to condemn someone because they grow slower or differently than us. You know, some people grow real tall. Some of us stop. <laughs> you know, we don't always grow the same. Our job is to remain unified and be at peace with each other to build and encourage, which leads us to the next point, which is accept other believers. We got through the first one. It'll be easier from here on. Romans 4 1 says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. That's a great word. And in 15 and 7, it says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. The New Living words it a little bit different, a little more plain, just in case the word receive doesn't register to you. It says, Accept other believers who are weak in the faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given the glory. This one should be common sense. Accept each other. If there's ever going to be harmony in the church, we need to accept each other. We need to be okay with each other. Um, 15 and 7 says, like Jesus has accepted you. Jesus wasn't, you know, like, oh, well, do all these things before you come to me and then maybe we'll talk. Get everything straightened out. Fix your life. Then you can come to the altar, and then maybe I'll do something. Right? Does that happen to you? No. <laughs> he accepted us as we are, and then he works in us and on us. But Jesus is never like, nah, get out of here. You're no good to me. I want somebody else. He doesn't do that. Right? He accepts us. He welcomes us. He calls us, the Bible says, his sons and daughters. And we got that, and we know that. You know, we're okay with Jesus accepting us. Before one says, we also need to accept those that are weak in the faith. And sometimes this is a difficult thing for us to do. And sometimes it seems like the longer we're in this, the more difficult it is for us to accept people that are weaker in the faith than us. 
because we're so far removed from when we first came in, and sometimes it's difficult to remember how we were a few years ago. Sometimes I need to remind myself of how much of a roller coaster my walk with God was 15, 20 years ago, which seems like a big number now, uh, but that's, you know, I'm older. <laughs> that's when I was a teenager, early 20s, you know. I don't know what I was doing. I was up and down all around, trying to figure everything out. Um, you know, sometimes I need to remind myself when I see others doing the same thing. When they're, you know, newer. It's easy sometimes to write them off and say, well, they're not serious, or they'd be doing these things, or they get their act together. They just need to grow up. They just need to figure it out and get it together. It's easy to say those things and forget that once upon a time, we didn't have it together. And once upon a time, we needed to grow Maybe we still do. But this, this isn't just also about accepting those. Um, this isn't about just accepting those who are as far along in their walk with God as I am. Or accepting those who are incredibly strong in the faith. Maybe even more so than me. But this is, he says, we need to accept those who are weaker. Those who always seem to struggle. Those who are up and down all the time. Those whose faith... It's faltering. Those whose faith is not as strong as yours. The church, this may be revolutionary, but the church should be made up of people who are all over the place in their faith. Some are brand new. Some are struggling. Some are more solid. Some are pillars. Some won't be shaken. Some won't be moved. In a good way and bad way. Because if there's new folks that are being added regularly like there should be, they're not going to get it all right away. And to be honest, and this may sting a little, some of us will never get it all. <laughs> some people just don't get it, no matter what. They've been coming for a hundred years and they still don't get it. Part of our job as pastors and as a church is to help people become the best Christians that they can be. Not everyone is going to be the same. Not everyone's going to be Vesta Mangan. Not everyone's going to be Sister Min or whoever. You know, we're not all. Some of us aren't going to get all the things. We're not going to figure everything out. Not everyone is going to be the same. Not everyone is going to understand all the finer points of holiness or prophecy and end times and everything in, in the Bible. Some people are just not going to get it all. And that can be frustrating, especially when you're trying to teach them. But we need to accept people that are weaker in the faith. But if they've been baptized in Jesus' name, they've been filled with the Holy Ghost, we'll keep teaching them and let the Holy Ghost continue to lead them. And they'll come along and it may be slow and it may take till the end of their life and they still may not get it all, but that's okay. Just let Jesus continue to work and you just love them and you just support them and you just cheer them on and pat them on the back and pray with them and, and show them how to live and, and all those things. But just like in the natural, there are some people... There are some people who seem to get it all together. You know, they get all the, you know, they never meet a young person that just knows what they're doing with their life and they got it all. 
And if you meet someone that's in their 50s and they still can't figure it out and they can't keep a relationship together and they can't keep a job and they can't get it all together, some people just, it seems that just never, they can't, for some reason, whatever. And that's how it is in the natural. You know, there are some people that just seem to get it together and there are some that just struggle with basic things sometimes. And not everyone is the same. Not everyone is like you or me and it's the same in the church. So that means we need to accept people who may not believe everything you do or, or what I mean is they may not, hopefully they believe the doctrine, but they may not get it. They may not understand it yet. Um, they may not believe it as maybe as strongly as you. And I'm talking about like, I don't know, holiness type things for the main part. That means people will come to our church and have been for years. And they may not look like how you think they should look. And they may dress differently. And they may struggle in different areas. They may not keep the, the standards as well as others. But they're still children of God. And the world talks a lot about acceptance, but the church should be the ones that are modeling that he said accept each other as Jesus accepted you you didn't deserve it you were a mess you had issues you still have issues if you're being honest you're still not perfect but yet Jesus still accepts you and so we need to accept them accept them and love them and welcome them and resist Resist the urge to try to mold them into many versions of you. Be patient, be loving, and be kind. Like we said, some people will never get everything. I went to a preacher's thing, and a pastor got up and said that, and it blew my mind. He's like, some people are just never going to get it. You can teach them every day, and they're still not going to get it. I was like, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. Because <laughs> there's people I've known my whole life. What are you doing? It's just not getting through. Anyways, we'll move on. But we aren't going to be as strong in every area of faith as everyone else. And so we need to accept people who are weaker than we are. And weaker in different areas than we are. And pray that they accept us when we are weaker. Because we, we got no time for people that are weaker than us. But people that are stronger than us, we want all the time from them. We want them to come pray for us. We want them to pour into us. We want them to work with us and teach us. Am I wrong? <laughs> so we need to be that to, to others. That's how we have harmony. Which leads to the next part. I'm almost done. I'm too long, but every time. Don't argue. That's a good one. Romans 4 and 1. We already read it, but it says, Accept others who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. That's uh, Sometimes in order to have harmony, you just need to be quiet. Harmony has never come about with arguing and not accepting people. Just let it go. Pray for them. Show them in the Bible, let God work. Don't argue with them. You don't always need to be right. 
Let them learn the hard way if they want to. And it's a difficult thing to do sometimes. Some people love to argue. Some people love to try to get you to argue with them. I have friends that do, family members that do, and I know preachers that do. Just love to argue. A friendly debate, that's different, but arguments can get heated, and feelings get hurt, and things get said. Personally, I hate the whole thing. I hate friendly debates. I'm no good at them. I have lots of friends and lots of preachers and pastors who love it, and they like to get into it all the time, but I don't. I'm no good at it. I get frustrated, and with my weird personality, I dwell on it a lot longer than I should, which I understand is a personal issue of mine, but that's something that happens. <laughs> um, you may come and try to debate something with me, try to cause an argument with me, and, and then walk away and forget about it, and that's that. You never think about it again. And uh, I will, every day, for the rest of my life. Play that conversation over in my head. And then I'll come up with all kinds of great things I could have said, but didn't. <laughs> Some people just love arguing. They'll argue with anyone about anything, even if they don't believe what they're arguing about. But it doesn't do any good. Some of us, we remember and we dwell on it, and then it affects how we see people. And that's difficult for the arguing type to imagine, but yet it happens. I've got a family member who loves to argue. I've got a couple of them. It's not my wife. But um, I was getting tires changed on one of our vehicles. We've got a, a Dodge journey we've had for a long time now. We have winter tires, and we got studs in them, because we thought it'll snow a lot here, and then it doesn't. And so in the past, we didn't have anywhere to keep tires, and we just lived in an apartment building. So I would just put winters or all seasons on and just run them all year until they're dead and put new ones on the next year. That's what I did. Uh, but when we came here, we're like, well, we got some space to keep them, so we'll get a couple of sets, and we'll do that. And so... Um, I was getting them changed, and, and I was getting, the, I think the winter ones off them, and the summer ones put on, and this person just started arguing with me and said that summer tires aren't a real thing. Uh, yes, they are. No, they're not. <laughs> they're all season tires. And I was like, no, there's all season, there's winters, and there's summers. Yeah, but you can't find summer tires. Nobody sells them. They only sell all seasons. Meanwhile, I had specifically ordered summer tires. I looked. They were... There was like 10 all seasons and one that was summer, and I picked the summer tires because we had studded winter tires, and I was like, you know, we'll just change them because I'm not going to run, run them up, whatever. And let's do this the right way. Let's have summers and winters for the first time in my life. So I specifically got summer tires. I was like, well, they do. And I bought them. Like, why are you arguing with me? I'm not an idiot. I know what I did, and I know, right? <laughs> and I can guarantee you that they have totally forgotten about this pointless argument that happened like four years ago. <laughs> I got the tires changed today because I waited as long as I could, and I remembered again. And I was like, that person's an idiot, is what I thought. 
And then I, now when I see them, I'm going to think it. And it doesn't need to happen, which is nonsense. Why even try to argue? Why even, you know, there's always, that's just something stupid. There's always repercussions to arguing for no reason. Some people just like it. I don't know why. I hate it. it see, I play it over my head and I need to let things go. I know. But harmony gets ruined just for fun. I don't know. For nothing. And so the Bible says we need to accept each other, let God work, and trust Him. He gives an example of to explain what He's talking about. He's not talking about doctrinal things. You've got to stand for the doctrine. You've got to stand for the truth. But it's just random opinions and stuff. Arguing just to argue. It says Romans 14, 2-3. says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let him not that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let him not which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Or in Modern English, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. We have those around us today. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. So this is something that really doesn't matter. Don't argue with someone because they want to be a vegan. Let them go, even though they want to argue. Let them go. Accept them. Don't argue with them. Leave them alone. Vice versa. All you're going to do by arguing is cause division. All you're going to do is disrupt harmony. All you're going to do is affect how somebody sees you. And you may not realize it, but some of us that play everything over in our heads too many times, we see things. And I know we got to let things go, but this is what happens. Um... The internet has made this a very much, very, made this much easier to do, to just argue and argue and fight. And I don't think it's helping anyone. I got an argument once with a pastor's wife about whether or not people who worked in fast food should be paid enough to live. She went on a Facebook rant about it. I thought she, I thought they did, and she didn't. I was working at McDonald's, so obviously I thought that we should probably have enough to live. And all I could think of was, I hope nobody from your community is looking for a church and works at McDonald's, because now you've just burned any bridge for no reason other than you just wanted to rant on the internet. And so, like, it doesn't... I've stopped. I don't argue with anyone anymore. I'm done. I'm retired. I got more stories, but those are from the past. I gotta move on. I'll wrap it up. <laughs> but there are like we all have different opinions and we don't need to argue about things that don't matter. Because all it does is cause division, all it does is, especially if we do it online, I know the Bible doesn't say anything about online, but that's out for everyone to look and see. You're both foolish, or one is foolish, or whatever. And I don't want to go to that church because this person's crazy or whatever. And all it does is cause issues and um, chaos that works all it does is disrupt everything <sighs> well so all these little things that we how we live and things that aren't you know, that don't matter in the grand scheme of things these decisions we make sometimes are based on our conscience or convictions and things principles and who we are and how we were brought up and stuff and, and all that and, and we don't need you know, we have different weaknesses, and sometimes God will impress things on us to do or not do, or, and 
to not eat meat or to eat meat. And that's a personal thing, and I don't need to argue with you about it. If it's not something that's black and white in the Bible, just accept each other. And don't argue about nonsense just to argue. Um, don't try to prove that they're wrong, just accept it. I'm at that point. I'm old now. <laughs> Older, I guess. Um, I reached that point where if you want to be wrong, then go ahead. It took me a few years to get there. But you want to be wrong, go ahead. You want to say there's no such thing as summer tires, go ahead. You want to say ignorant things on the internet, have at her. I'll just keep scrolling or delete the app. <laughs> I just, there's no point, there's no point in arguing for these things. It just causes division. And harmony will not um, happen. <laughs> so this is again, it goes back to being a peacemaker, keeping peace. They're all kind of tied together. So I had to listen to stories. Now you can look at me funny. And think of all the arguments you had with me, as I remember them. <laughs> Just teasing. All right, let's break. We have three things we talked about. That we can pray for. Um, first one, spend a lot of time talking about holiness, avoiding the darkness, um, how we can love and accept each other, even those that are weaker, and uh, pray that God would help us to not argue and to keep the peace. And in my case, to let things go and to forget conversations that happened. Um, let's pray together for these things um, tonight. <laughs> Jesus, we. Uh, we thank you for your word and for your spirit that's working um, here and working in our lives, Jesus. I pray, God, that we would have harmony in our church, God, that we would have harmony in our homes, Jesus. I pray, God, that we would um, pursue holiness, Jesus, that we would um, avoid the darkness and the things of the world, God, that we would draw closer to you, God. I pray that that call to, to come closer to you, we would hear it. God, and heed it in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that we would be loving and accepting of others, Jesus, in the church that maybe are, are weaker in certain areas than we are. And God, I pray that we would help you would help us to accept them like you would accept us, Jesus. And I pray, God, that we would keep the peace and not argue and cause fights and everything just to just to for the sake of doing it. God, I pray that we would be peacemakers and peacekeepers, God. I pray in your name, Jesus. Help us to let some things go and help us to, to forget some things that we need to forget. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, use us and continue to work in our lives. God, draw us closer to you and each other, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.